Superman Forever Radio, Episode 114, User Feedback, Emails, and 2017 Year in Review. than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, people believe tall buildings at a single bound, the incident of ship town is now the man of steel, Superman! Hello and welcome to the Superman Forever radio podcast. My name is Bob Fisher. This is a show where I talk about Superman from 1938 to present day. Welcome everybody. Happy New Year out there. Uh, I thought I would use the feedback and email from 2017 as kind of a look back, kind of a, you know, what was a, uh, well, what happened in 2017? How did we get through it? And I thought we would look back by using your email and feedback for those episodes. And, very special, putting voice to your emails. Joining me tonight, Kim. Hi, Kim. Hello, Bob. <laughs> Thanks for coming and doing this. This is going to be fun. This is great. My pleasure. Good. Kim is actually here live. We're, we're going to do this right here. None of this pre-recorded stuff. We're going to do it. Uh, we haven't rehearsed this yet either, but Kim has your emails and feedback in front of her. She's going to read them and then I'm going to reply to them or interrupt her or whatever. I should say to, to most of you out there that, that, uh, when you send email to me, I do reply to them pretty much right away. I don't wait a year to, for you to hear them on, on the air. Um, I do reply in kind pretty much as soon as I get them or within a few hours anyway. So uh, if you'd like to, you know, join in the fun, send your email to bob at supermanforever.com. I'm not sure what I'm going to do for 2018, depending on the volume and how it goes, whether we'll wait another year and do this again next year as kind of a look back for 2017 uh, or a look back at 2018 next year, or I, or I'll just you know include them as I get them in whatever episode comes up next or what's available uh, when I record an episode. We'll kind of play that by ear. Do you have a thought? What would you rather do, Kim? Do you like this? We don't know yet, do we, how this is going to go? Well, I think it's fun to hear them all together, but who knows what will happen in 2018, <laughs> like you said. Yeah, I know. Who knows? We have no idea. But to say the least, 2017 was <clears throat> an interesting year. Very interesting. Yeah. But we will try to talk Superman and and get some uh, uh, feedback in the emails. So, um I don't know. I can't think of too much else other than uh, we do have some cool stuff coming up for 2018. 
and uh, I'm kind of committed. There's a promo out there. Some people might be playing it, but I'm saying it out loud now to put pressure on myself to kind of, you know, uh, nose to the grindstone, as they say, but really try to put out a, a couple of episodes a month and uh, adding in the Superboy Forever stuff. So that should be fun, too. So uh, look forward to 2018, and we'll talk more about that in the upcoming episodes. Uh, but uh, for right now, let's hear some feedback and some emails. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. I hope my voice will hold out, you know, <laughs> now that it's 20 degrees outside and those radiators are kicking up. I'm kind of getting dehydrated. But Yeah, it is kind of a dry heat in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead. What are we starting with? What's first? Okay. Well, the first one is, it's it's short and sweet. It says, <laughs> on Facebook, back on March 25th, Bruce Cannon, or Kanan, that's K-A-N-I-N, mm-hmm. said, first appearance of white kryptonite. <laughs> right well, i know no, what I that is know. yeah okay is that it yeah that's it i know <laughs> what he's talking about that was with the perry white episode we did uh where oh, perry yeah. white got superpowers from eating the alien fruit right and he right killed plants right and white kryptonite killed plants and supergirl saved the day at the end uh perry white was beating superman but uh, Supergirl came busting through the fortress wall with a big chunk of white kryptonite and killed the plant that was invest in in uh, festing. Is that a word? Infesting? Yeah. In, yeah. Infestation. That. Yeah, that sounded really stupid all of a sudden. Wow. Infesting. Yeah, but yeah. So you remember that where, where the the little fruit thing? It was a great Perry White episode, uh, and I forgot the Action Comics number. But the cover shows him in his green and kind of uh, pinkish outfit uh, with a sword and a head mask throwing a statue at Superman on the cover. Yeah, and I think the next email is going to be talking about that um, episode also. All right, well, let's get to the next one. Okay, Dave McElvenny on March 26th, episode 109, Super Perry White. Greetings, Bob. Perry White, super editor, great episode as usual. I'm really enjoying the music you've been adding to your episodes. Thanks for that added touch. I must say, I too have long held in my head canon that Perry White knows Superman's secret identity and like Pete Ross, Superman's best friend from back in Smallville, will never admit that he knows even to Superman himself. Also on my list of these super secret keepers is Inspector Bill Henderson, portrayed by Robert Shane on the Adventures of Superman TV show. If this were widely accepted as canon, these three would be among the greatest unsung heroes of the DC universe, exhibiting the highest ideals of loyalty and friendship. In fact, I like to imagine a TV episode or comic, maybe one of those wonderful imaginary stories, in which Perry, Bill, and Pete, unknown to Superman and each unaware of the other two fellows, also knows the secret. Each does his part to preserve and protect Superman's secret identity. Maybe the Legion of Superheroes would also somehow be involved, since we know they're aware of Pete Ross's history with Superboy and Superman, and probably know of Bill Henderson's and Perry White's as well. Wouldn't that be an epic tale, perhaps worthy of one of those three-part novels that took up an entire issue back in the (laughs) Super Age? Mm -hmm. Back to the story you covered. Perry White looks exactly the way he should in his Masterman costume. 
I love, I can see that in my head right now. <laughs> I, I love that silver age idea that if you somehow gain superpowers, you'd immediately adopt a secret identity and a costume form fitting, even if you really didn't quite have the body for it, exactly <laughs> as the average eight year old reader would do. In retrospect, of course, the killing of the plant people with the white kryptonite, and it was Supergirl who thought of that, not Superman, mm -hmm. wasn't the most moral solution. But hey, at least the bottle city of Kandor was unharmed in the end. You know, I'm just getting an image of um, Perry White. Wasn't he flying around his office? Yeah, yeah. Somehow that was just weird to me. And he lifts the desk. Remember, he lifted the desk up and... Yeah, yeah, flying around in his office, in his yeah. little, doing little circles in his office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would like to see that in real life yeah. or in a movie or something. Okay, anyway, to answer your trivia question, and I know I won't be the only one to give the answer, Clark Kent's first boss editor in the comics was George Taylor of the Daily Star. He was later shown to be an Earth 2 character when the Golden Age Superman, along with the Justice Society of America, was retconned to another part of the multiverse. And eventually, that Earth's Clark Kent succeeded him as editor of the Daily Star. Uh, a favorite George Taylor moment for me is in the Evil 3 episode of The Adventures of Superman, mm -hmm. when Perry White tells Clark Kent to look into the disappearance of George Taylor. When I first saw that episode, I didn't know about George Taylor and the Daily Star, but as an adult, I've always loved that moment. I still don't know for certain if that was a deliberate Easter egg planted by the writers, but I enjoy it nonetheless. Finally, with respect to your planned Superboy Forever podcast... I'm excited for that whenever it arrives. If you're accepting listener suggestions, I'm sure you'll be talking about the important role that Mon Pa Kent played in Superboy's development and the special place a Superdog has in a Superboy's life. And I hope, as you might have guessed from my mention earlier of Pete Ross, that you'll discuss the importance of good friends in a young man's life, both super, like Mon L, the Legionnaires, and normal, like Pete Ross and Lana Lang as well as the other lesser-known characters, both Super and Normal, who cross paths with Clark or Superboy in his Smallville days. Thanks for all the fun listening you give us all. Live long and prosper. Dave McElvenny. Thank you, Dave. Yes, absolutely. Going from the last part of your email to the beginning part. Yes. In the Superboy stuff, going to be lots of that kind of stuff, uh, including covering the the episode where Pete Ross discovered Superboy's secret identity in the lightning storm camp out. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. Interesting. Pete Ross, uh, we know and he's the only one of the three you mentioned actually in the in the real history that they actually let us know that Pete Ross knows the secret identity, whereas Perry White and and Bill Henderson, uh, like you, Dave, that's in my own headcanon. I totally believe Perry White knows, maybe not on the Adventures of Superman TV show, but in the comics, uh, uh, you know, I, I still think in my own headcanon, it's easy for uh, Clark and Superman to fool, you know, an average person in Metropolis who doesn't see him every day. But you're going to work with both of them every day, all day. You know whether they tell you or not. You're going to figure that one out. So, uh, but I love the idea of the three of them somehow uh, getting together with the legion of superheroes from the 30th century, or I guess 31st century now, because they always stay a thousand years ahead. 
once again, great email from Dave. Thank you, Dave. So, so much goodness from Dave in 2017. Who's up next? Okay, next we have John Daniel Hall, March 30th, 1119 a.m. Mm. How are you, Bob? I've been, en- <laughs> been enjoying your tenure on Superman Forever Radio. Do not take this the wrong way. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I mean this fully <laughs> as a compliment. Whoa. Your manner of discussion and everything reminds me of this very calm, grandfatherly, even-keeled discussion of whatever you are speaking about. Wow, that's Aww, sweet. That's <laughs> Grandpops. <Yeah. laughs> Love every minute of it. No bashing for the sake of bashing or blind gushing over certain things. If you love it, you tell us why. Likewise, when the scale is flipped. Oh, I will blindly gush periodically just, just <laughs> <laughs> for the sake of gushing. Yeah. <laughs> I have quite the odd history with Superman, and this is before the whole I am a 90s kid thing. Uh-oh. My first exposure to Big Blue was via my grandmother's VHS tapes packed with all manner of cartoons. And of those, my favorite were always the Fleischer Superman shorts. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Love those. (laughs) Alongside reruns of all the Super Friends and the DCAU version of the Superman Most of my Superman love came from animation. Um, Live action-wise, I don't remember seeing Superman the movie, etc., though I could just not remember. I think Lois and Clark must have been on my radar, but my first big jump into Superman's mythos, and partly what got me more into Superman comics, was Smallville. I was a big fan of the show for some time, and to this day, John Schneider is my Pa Kent. (laughs) As for the comics, I have been up and down, in and out, and currently am loving the Rebirth Superman family books. Mm-hmm. Side note, isn't it cool to say there is a Superman family of titles again? Yes. <laughs> Despite my large Superman fandom, however, he isn't my favorite superhero, but he is in my top tier. Wonder Woman and Spider-Man of the big two in superheroes are currently their respective companies' tops. Hmm, yes, odd. Uh huh. But I will say, my favorite DC heroes will always be Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman. The Trinity. John Daniel Hall. Thank you, John. That was that was terrific. And I do not take it the wrong way. I I do not mind being compared uh, to a what did he say? Warm and cozy grandpa. Very <laughs> very calm, grandfatherly, yeah. even keeled. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll take that. I'll take yeah, that as I a great compliment. Nice. Thank you, thank you. And and by the way, nothing wrong with coming into Superman uh, via Smallville. Uh, it is still amazing to me that a show about him, Clark, becoming Superman, where he never wore the suit, never said the name up until the last few years. Lois was there instead of Lena. It could have been called Metropolis from about season six or seven. And when it ended, I was ready. I said, fine, just change the name to Metropolis. Let's keep going. Now he's in the suit. Well, even though it was kind of CG'd on him, uh, Tom Welling never actually put on a Superman suit. Interesting. And uh, nice collection. Wonder Woman and Spider-Man as your top two. That's ah, an interesting top two. like to see that team up. Where's that team up? Marvel and DC did a bunch of crossovers back in the 90s. Uh, you know, Superman and Spider-Man teamed up. Uh, I'd actually like to do one with Silver Surfer because I don't know anything about Silver Surfer from Marvel, except he's silver 
and he rides around in space on a surfboard. (laughs) (laughs) Dressed, very true. I don't know anything more than that. And there is a team-up book out there where Superman teams up with Silver Surfer. So uh, I should... uh, I should find out if one of my podcasting friends, Andy Leland, or some one of them who's really into Marvel, knows anything about Silver Surfer, and we should do that uh, book. We should just cover that one day. There's an idea. All put right. It, put it in the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay. It'll right. go in the bowl. It's in the bowl. All right. Next. Another one from Dave McElvenny. Okay. Episode 110. Greetings, Bob. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Sh- you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm sure I've written you before about my belief that Lex Luthor is a wonderful villain and foe for Superman, but also my hope that one day Lex will reform himself and once more be Superman's friend. As a kid, I first saw hints of that possibility in Superman 164 when he throws his battle with Superman in order to enlist Superman's help in bringing desperately needed water to the people of the planet later to be named Lexor. Clearly, Lex is not purely evil, as we would also see later, not only in his identity of the Defender in number 168, but in Superman number 416 in the Einstein Connection, Mm -hmm. and in the novel Miracle Monday, both by Elliot S. Magan. Mm -hmm. I guess that's pronounced Magan, Mm M-A-G-G-I-N. I really enjoyed how you talked about the continuing story from Superman number 164 to 167 and 168. That was not common back in 1963, 64, at least for DC. I always liked team-ups between Luthor and Brainiac because both were super intelligent with an obsessive hatred for Superman. But as we see in number 167, each brings his own talents to the team. Luthor, with his human knowledge of Superman's need to keep people safe, figured out how to free Brainiac in a way Brainiac himself probably never would have. Brainiac brings a more interplanetary viewpoint and a level of technology that even Luthor probably couldn't easily match. They really do make a good team, and it's interesting to note that neither really trusts the other too much, which is what we'd expect for a pair of villains. (laughs) In number 168, it was also... Good to see Luthor take on the role of the Defender, not only to fight Superman, but also, in his view, to help his people, much as Superman defends the people of Earth. That's a nice bit of symmetry there in the part of the story set in San Francisco in 1906. I haven't seen that issue since I was a kid, but I have to wonder how red kryptonite showed up on Earth before Kal-El's rocket ship would have, but maybe I'm just forgetting the explanation for that. Again, thank you for bringing back memories of some of the favorite Superman stories of my boyhood. Live long and prosper, Dave McIlvenny. Thank you again, Dave. Yeah, what? No, I was going to say, that's a good question about that red kryptonite. It is a good question, and what popped into my memory is a Superboy story. And I'll have to check this, and maybe it'll show up on the Superboy Forever segment. But uh, I seem to remember like one of those editor's boxes or something that one day when Superboy went through the time barrier, because, of course, in the Silver Age, Superman, Superboy could fly through the time barrier under their own power and pretty much pinpoint accuracy at where they wanted to stop. But um, I seem to remember them saying that the force of the explosion from Krypton, that some fragments of all of the pieces uh, actually 
also went through the time barrier somehow and <laughs> can end up anywhere okay. in time and space. So, uh, pretty, I know, hey, it was the Silver Age. It was, yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. Way <laughs> comics can just bend and yes. twist everything to, yeah. to make sense. So I, I think that's how that happened. You know, I'll have to look that up. But that, to me, was my memory that, yeah, uh, the, some of the fragments, which is how they explained Red Kryptonite to begin with, that some of the regular green fragments went through this particular cloud, which turned them red. And then other things in space. Now that gets retconned over and over again and changed. But uh, uh, I mean, he's been around for 80 years, and every 20 years they pretty much try to change his whole history. But uh, when I was a kid, that was the explanation. Some of the fragments also went through the time barrier. So um, sure, makes sense. Makes sense to me. Yeah. But Lex Luthor, yeah, he is uh, uh, one of a kind, and I keep promising uh, the the the. Uh, elusive brainiac episode it's coming i really really folks it's i promise it's coming but uh much like that i said with the lex luther episode he was talking about episode 110 which was the lex luther episode and um uh, i mentioned then that lex is unique among all uh what i think superhero villains no other superhero's arch villain has become part of their regular everyday life like Lex Luthor has become part of Superman. Uh, and it doesn't matter anymore whether it's comics or animation. If Superman is in the city, Lex Luthor also is there, and he's as much as part of Superman's day-to-day life uh, as Perry or Jimmy. And during the New 52, we saw more Lex Luthor than we did Lois Lane. So uh, he's very unique in villains. No other villain that I know of has their number one nemesis arch-villain there, omnipresent all the time. Uh, But my favorite is really, I think, Brainiac, and there's lots of cool stuff happening with Brainiac. And uh, I just found out this week, or was it last week? I don't know. Time is weird. That uh, they have cast an actor to play Brainiac in the new Krypton show coming up on the Sci-Fi Channel in March. So... Curious to see the one-line description of him makes gives me some hope, because they are describing him what? as as a humanoid android with twelfth level intelligence. Hmm, so that could be interesting. Uh, that could be interesting. They're they're actually giving him the one-line description that would fit the Silver Age uh, Brainiac. So it'll be curious to see how well they you know what they do with him. I'm looking forward to Brainiac. So so thanks again, Dave. Okay, um, let's see. This one is from Dave McElvenny. <laughs> Hi, Dave. <laughs> Dave's becoming a regular here. Okay. Yeah, this this might be the Dave McElvenny feedback show. So, <laughs> that's good. Dave likes to feedback, and I enjoy getting email from you, Dave. You keep sending them. Let's see. Okay, greetings, Bob. This episode featuring your conversation with Dr. Henry Hank Weisinger was mm. excellent. I always enjoy learning things, and this gave me the opportunity to learn a lot about Mort Weisinger from the perspective and recollection of his son. It can have been easy for Hank, often hearing people talk about his father in a negative way, even if conceding the validity of their viewpoints. I mean, your dad is your dad, and it seems clear that Hank loved his dad and his dad loved him, and I'm glad that came through very clearly in his talk. 
What also came through pretty clearly was your respect for the work Mort Weisinger did for so many years and your enjoyment in talking to Hank, not only about his dad, but about the Yankees. I'm not a baseball fan at all myself, but I do enjoy hearing conversations between people who love the game. I must also mention that the day this episode showed up in my podcast feed was also the day that the Man of Screen episode Let's see, the Man of Screen podcast episode 69 showed up in which you and Mike Zumo did the wrap up for the adventures of Superman. So it was very much a Superman centric day of podcast listening for me. Thanks for playing a big part in that. I'm looking forward to hearing more about Mort Weisinger and whatever other topics you may draw from your jar of topics. Thanks. As always, live long and prosper. Dave McElvenny. Yeah. Uh, I think that was a highlight of uh, one of the highlights, anyway, of the year. Um, that was an interesting couple of shows to do, and I think there's probably some more feedback coming about both more the Hank interview and the Arlen Schumer part of that. Um, that was that was a new experience for me. Obviously, I'm not an interviewer. It, I it you know I'm uh, I'm not you know Mark Maron or Terry Gross. I you know I was just kind of called him and said, hey, do you want to talk? And we talked. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, getting to know Hank. And uh, uh, we're still friends on Facebook. We still communicate. We still uh, have talked. And uh, I did get some feedback from Hank. And I'm not sure, because some of it was kind of personal. I'm not quite sure what what I did uh, put on your list to read from Hank. But uh, uh, we'll go to a couple more and see if it shows up, pieces of email. We'll see if it shows up. If not, I'll, I'll summarize in a minute or two after a couple of more. But um, needless to say, that was a, um, a fun thing to do, uh, getting in depth. And I learned a lot about Mort Weisinger doing that. And, um, you know, and it created quite a buzz online. The discussion actually kind of got a little heated in some corners. So um, uh, that was an interesting, interesting few weeks. Um, but a very special, I think, very special episode. And uh, um, Well, we've got another email that's talking about uh, Weisinger. So okay, should I read another one? Out. Yeah, go ahead and do that. Okay, one. this is from Chris Cavanaugh, episode 111, Spotlight on Mark, um, excuse me, Mort Weisinger. Hey, Bob, great conversation with Hendry Weisinger, but his comments about Carmine Infantino were over the top. Perhaps they were due to Infantino's appointment as editorial director in the late 60s, not all that long before Weisinger's retirement. Certainly, Infantino was DC's preeminent cover artist of the 60s, particularly on the Batman titles, and his work on The Flash speaks for itself. The magazine Hendry was trying to think of was Alter Ego number 112, which featured an Arlen Schumer cover and inside feature, Chris Cavanaugh. You know, it's it's kind of interesting. That was some of the interesting things about hearing the, you know, the, the, the stories from Hank that, that his dad told him. So obviously, you know, uh, some of Hank's opinions of some of these people are influenced by, you know, what his dad thought. His dad was not a, uh, um, uh, a fan, actually, of the work of Jerry Siegel for the most part, you know, um, 
he didn't give him a lot of credit for being very creative. Uh, he would come up with some decent ideas, but couldn't follow through. So, you know, the, the, there's a lot of stuff about Henry Weiss. I mean, not Henry, but uh, his dad, Mort, out there that, um, you know, can make people sway other beliefs one way or the other. I, I'm not sure, you know, what what Mort thought of, of Carmine Infantino. But, you know, Carmine's work will stand on its own. But I think as far as being a premier, when it, especially when it comes to Superman, uh, nobody holds a candle to the Kurt Swan covers. His, uh, more than practically anybody uh, in a period of time at DC, he was doing, of course, all the Superman titles, World's Finest, Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, uh, Justice League for a period of time. So, you know, even some of the Batman stuff. But uh, but Carmine's work will hold up on its own. Uh, you know, I always hesitate to use phrases, the best, because, you know, how do you judge that? Artwork is so subjective, you know. Um, you know, it, it's just really hard, you know, to to quantify that I mean, you could probably go to Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics and count the covers. Uh, he may have those listed, but uh, uh, Flash would not have been as big and as successful as it was in the Silver Age. It kind of was the rebirth of the Silver Age was when they reintroduced the Flash, and then eventually Carmine Infantino got on there. Uh, brilliant artist, absolutely brilliant artist. So uh, nothing bad to say about Carmine. Not gonna say in me my own personal headcanon. I'm not gonna put him a, you know, ahead of Kurt Swan. But uh, not many are ahead of Bert, of Kurt Swan. But uh, thanks, Chris. I appreciate the email. Okie dokie. You ready for another one? Uh huh. Dave McElvenny. Hi, Dave. <laughs> Episode one twelve. Arlen Schumer. Greetings, Bob. I was glad to see this episode announced on Facebook, although it took me a while to get to listen to it, since I was away in the wide, wide west on vacation at the time and had limited internet access to download it. I had to wait until we got home and caught up on sleep and laundry before downloading and listening. It was certainly worth the wait, since I'd been anticipating this one since your previous episode's conversation with Dr. Hendry Hank Weisinger. I must say that this was quite an interesting conversation and more wide-ranging than the one you'd had earlier with Hank. My impression is that Mr. Schumer is a more forceful personality and can, whether he means to or not, dominate the conversation. <laughs> I don't mean that as a criticism. It's merely an observation from my perspective for whatever it's worth. He clearly has a somewhat different sense of Mort Weisinger than Hank Weisinger does, as one would expect. But it's also clear that both men have a high regard for Mort Weisinger's talents and what he did for DC Comics during his time there. I do find myself respectfully disagreeing with Mr. Schumer, though, on one particular point. Superman is certainly a Moses analog, but he was not, as long portrayed in the comics from the 30s through at least the 70s or 80s, a Christ figure. Superman, like Moses was sent away as a baby to save his life from certain death. Christ, in Christian theology, was not sent away at all, and certainly not to save his life. He came by his own power to save humanity by his death and resurrection, not to be saved from death. The idea that Superman is a Christ figure is one that was grafted onto his story much more recently in movies and seems to have taken hold far too strongly 
muddying his story. I think Mr. Schumer's statement that Christ is a new Moses, that's in quotes, does not fit with Christian theology either. Christ is considered a second Adam bringing a new creation. Even if we accept the idea of Superman as a Christ figure, which I do not, I think the way writers sometimes shoehorn that idea into stories is quite clumsy and ham-handed. And for a professional writer, clumsiness and ham-handedness are cardinal sins. All that said, I enjoyed this conversation very much, and I'm glad you presented it to your listeners. Thank you. Live long and prosper, Dave McElvenny. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Dave. Um, I've had this conversation, wow, I can't even count the number of times I've had this conversation. Um, you know, Superman has never, ever been a Christ figure to me and my own personal headcanon or any other way, shape, or form. If you want to go uh, religion with him or religious with him, you're right on the money. It's 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 much closer to a Moses um, metaphor, an acronym, or whatever the phrase, a Moses analog. I've always had a problem, like you say here, with the ham-handed, uh, just kind of trying to shoehorn, you know, it in because I don't know. They guess they think it's clever or something, but it's one thing, and I think this is why where Jerry Siegel did it so brilliantly in the early days. If you happen to be a religious person and you read the early creation story of Superman, you might then think, oh, that sounds a lot like the Moses story. But nowhere in the Superman text does it quote the Bible or biblical stuff. It's just the fact that you know. It's much more subtle. And and you can argue, because of their upbringing of the two Jewish boys, that it was, you know, um, in their minds— not Jesus, Moses. So if you want to go that way, Superman was not sent here. Baby Kal-El was not sent here to show Earth the way, to be the light. Jor-El sent him here to save his life. It was a chance for a Kryptonian to survive and his son to survive. He sent him here because he had the best chance of survival. That was it. He did not foresee his son being the savior of uh, all who believed in him. So thank you, Dave, for, uh, for your comments. I do appreciate it. Oh, by the way, the reason Dave said he was late and couldn't listen and he was on his little trip out west, Kim, yeah. he did almost the exact same trip you and I did back in 1980. Oh, no kidding. Uh, some of his pictures. Yeah, it's fun. Some of his pictures he put up on Facebook were even places that you and I stood and took pictures. Oh, it was wow. pretty cool. Good trip, good email. I'd like to do that again. Uh-huh. Let's go. All right. I'd like to get away from this snow. Let's <laughs> let's go to Hawaii first and then do the tour on the way back. How's that? Okay, okay. Let's read the emails first, then go to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> and then go. All right. All right. It's a deal. Okay. Um next is Chris Cavanaugh again. Mm -hmm. um, episode 112, Arlen Schumer. Um, in your conversation with Arlen Schumer, you touched on whether covers were drawn before the stories, which leads me to number 10 on the binder list and the subject of your next podcast, Brainiac. Ben, Bender. Oh, I'm sorry. Bender. Bender list. B-I-N-D-E-R. Yeah, I used to say binder all the time, too. Uh, and I was corrected last year. So... 
It's Bender, Bender. Otto Bender. Oh, mm-hmm. Right, Otto Bender. All right, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, which do you think was drawn first for Action Comics number 242? The cover shows the classic Kurt Swan, Silver Age Brainiac, but the interior has a spindly Plastino-drawn Brainiac with no electrodes on the head. Very contrasting portrayals. Of course, we know which portrayal stuck. Finally, just curious if you're making progress with your Superboy podcast and whether you found out what happened to your giant Superman podcast, which I can no longer find. Best wishes, Chris Cavanaugh, uh, Goddard, Kansas. Uh, yeah, so let's take that backwards. Uh, as far as Superboy, I think I've announced that, yes, I'm going to add Superboy to the same feed that you're currently getting Superman Forever. So if you subscribe to the Superman Forever podcast, uh, once a month you'll be getting an extra episode and it will be featuring Superboy. So, and that'll be starting, uh, the end of January. So, um, that's really what we're shooting for now is a new episode on the 15th and the last day of every month. So we have a new Superman forever should be the Brainiac episode, which we're going to be talking about action comics, two forty two, uh, the first appearance of Brainiac. Uh, and then we'll also have a Superboy story. So, you know, that's what we're looking for. So, yeah, we'll have both of those. Uh, which came first, the cover or the story? Good question. You know, for the life of me, I don't know why Mort Weisinger loved Al Plastino so much. But Al Plastino got a lot of work on a lot of big stories. Uh, and Otto B- Bender, see, I almost said Binder again. Otto Bender uh, and Al Plastino had a year for the record books. When you when you look at like 1958-59, that team of Otto Bender and Al Plastino came up with Metallo, Supergirl, Brainiac, eight of the Legion of Superheroes, including the first four of Saturn Girl, Cosmic Boy, Lightning Lad, Brainiac, etc., etc., etc. The list of first appearances and new uh, cre- uh, creations by Otto Bender and Al Plastino in 1958 is somewhat staggering. And most of those characters are still part of Superman's regular life today, somewhat changed. Uh, as far as which came first, I think that's an interesting question. You know, this, this, is, this is kind of a regular thing sometimes where in those days... It might be something as simple as one of the guys coming up with a cover and then uh, Weisinger would assign a team to write the story around that cover and draw the thing. I think this time it was the reverse. I think that Otto and Al Plastino did the story and the cover came second. And the only reason I say that is because the Brainiac we see in that story of of Action 242 we never see him again. Uh, that's his only appearance. He never looks like that ever again anywhere else. From from this point on, for the most part, he looks like the Brainiac on the cover, the Kurt Swan drawing. So I'm thinking the story and the internal artwork came first and cover came second. I think, you know, in a little side note, I asked why Mort Weisinger loved Plastino so much. Because he's not a great artist. Nothing personal against Al Plastino. But I think the reason he liked him is he delivered quickly and on time. And his style, if you look, he was there a long time, over 30 years. And he started 
at the tail end of the golden age. And his first work looks an awful lot like um, a cross between Joe Schuster and Wayne Boring. Because Wayne Boring, in his early days, was just basically copying Joe Schuster until his own style uh, came through. So you had the very dramatic first of Joe Schuster, then the obvious Wayne Boring, big name, the guy who, his Superman, Kim, runs through space, big barrel chest, and doesn't really fly, he kind of runs through space. And uh, Al Plastino's early work looked like Wayne Boring. But then as Kurt Swan became the number one uh, artist at uh, DC, Plastino's later work looks like a, uh, a simplified Kurt Swan. So it's really interesting. If you look at his early work compared to Wayne Boring, it looks like a simplified Wayne Boring drawing. I've even seen people online give credit to a panel or a cover uh, and call it Wayne Boring when it's really Al Plastino. And I've seen the same thing happen where some people will think it looks like Kurt Swan when it's really uh, Al Plastino because he was trying to do his best copying of the two big guys at DC. And he probably did it quickly, which is why Mort kept assigning him all these big name first appearance spots. Uh, just, just staggering. So the answer of that one, I think the cover came second. Next. You know, I'm sitting here drinking a cup of tea out of a cup. I just now realized that the cup is Superman through the years. And while you were talking, I was trying to, you know, oh. envision what those Superman drawings look like. And it's from the 40s up to the 20, up to 2010. Mm-hmm. So well, you've got <laughs> on that cup, on that cup, you've got uh, Joe Schuster is the first one. And Wayne Boring is the one right next to him. Then the fourth one over is, I think, Kurt Swan. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. We might have to put a picture of that up on Facebook or something. It's a right. nice cup. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. On with the next one. This is from Billy Hogan. Hey, hey, Billy of the Superman Fan Podcast, one of the first Superman podcasts I ever listened to. It. You might remember, Kim, I, when we for, for some reason, Kim and I both listen, uh, uh, lovely listeners. Kim and I have always, we've been listening to podcasts for years and why it never dawned on me at the time to actually, hey, why don't I look up and see if there's any Superman podcasts out there? And Billy's, when I did that, Billy's was the first one I found. And I came to you, Kim, and I said, yeah. oh, I can't believe it. I found <laughs> I this guy. That. And he's talking <laughs> Superman comics and he's reading them and it's so great. Ah! So now, yeah. this is so cool that I actually know Billy now. And, and Billy is uh, sending me some email. Yay. Hi, Billy. Okay. Let's see what Billy has to say. Um, spotlight on Mort Weisinger. Hi, Bob. I really enjoyed your episodes on Mort Weisinger. He did a great job in exploring both his genius and his feet of clay, and they were big feet of clay. (laughs) (laughs) It was great hearing from Weisinger's son and his perspective on his father, but it was sad to hear how Mort's family got a taste of what he dished out at the D.C. staff. Mm. Arlen is very knowledgeable about the Silver Age and had a great perspective about both Mort's accomplishments and his faults. Excellent episodes. Billy Hogan, Eustace, Florida. Uh, thank you, Billy. Superman fan podcast. You should all be listening to Superman. He's doing chronological, in order of their release, of Silver Age Superman comic books, including Superman, Action, Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, and World's Finest. 
and it's it's just a treat to listen to Billy's show. Um, he's doing a, such a great job. It just, I, I you know, it it uh, brings back good memories as the first Superman podcast I found. And now look what you did, Billy. Hope you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> Started something. Yeah. Okay. The next one is from Chris Kavanaugh again. Uh, oh, by the way, before we get to Chris, uh, uh, is his talking about Arlen Schumer or something? Is he Auto Bender. Okay. So let's, while we're on thing, I didn't mention too much about the Arlen Schumer part of the Mort Weisinger two-parter. As I said, I, with, 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 uh, Hank, it literally was like a conversation. I just turned the recorder on and we just talked and had a good time and laughed and, and well, you heard it was like that. Arlen Schumer was a little more challenging. Arlen had done radio. He's done other spots. He's been interviewed before. And, you know, I was kind of thinking, well, this will be fun. We've got the afternoon free. We'll just sit here and chit chat. It'll be fun. Like the other one. And, uh, you know, I quickly realized that, that I had to be on my toes. I really had to be sharp and there because, uh, Arlen, uh, was going quickly. Arlen's brain moves very quickly. And, and, um, you know, and, and, and when he says it, you just kind of want to, and then I think, you know, at the time it was going on, I'm thinking, you know, what happens if you disagree or agree? I mean, I, what is my job at that point? All of a sudden I realized this is different. This isn't, this is, but it's not a conversation. How do I handle this? Do I now try to bring it back to this or let it go there? Or, you know, not being a professional interviewer, uh, Arlen took over a couple of times and I, you know, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but we did go off the tracks a little bit and I, you know, um, didn't quite know how to bring it back. And I was mentioning that I got some personal email from, from Hank after the Arlen Schumer episode aired. And Hank was a little upset at the Arlen Schumer part. And it was actually Hank, you know, that suggested I talk to Arlen Schumer and Hank got a little upset. Um, and I think rightly so, you know, uh, his complaint was that the Arlen Schumer part of the interview spent way more time on the personality of uh, Mort Weisinger than his accomplishments and work at DC and what he did for Superman. Now, we touched on that, and we hit that. It was a long interview. I mean, the, the final thing was close to two hours, so it was a really long interview, and, and we touched on all of that. We talked about that. Arlen talked about that. But I decided to leave in also the other parts, too, and, um, you know, um, because I, I, you know, I wanted people to, to get the full feeling of, of what Arlen was actually saying. Uh, he's really knowledgeable on the silver age of comics. And, and sometimes I let him go on those areas, even though it didn't have anything to do with Mort or Superman at the time, because there was some interesting information and, uh, uh, you know, maybe I'll do more interviews this year and, and, you know, down the road, I'll get a little better at maybe controlling it or bringing it back on track or something. Um, but I think all in all, it turned out as a really interesting listen and, um, uh, you know, a little bit of a challenge, but, uh, Arlen had some really interesting points of view and I wanted to let them out there and let the people decide whether they agree or disagree or, you know, I decided at the time, 
it really didn't feel right for me to either uh, uh, jump on the bandwagon or uh, disagree with him either side. I did decided not to take a side, just to let uh, you know the conversation go there, as, as you know as he wanted to go. So um, you know, it's out there now. So <laughs> you know, you uh, I guess that's one twelve episode one twelve is the Arlen Schumer part, and one eleven is the uh, Henry Weisinger part. I learned a lot. It was it was an interesting um, um, event, and you know we'll see. We'll see. All right. So okay, you ready for Chris? Yeah. Now on to Chris. I just wanted to you know get that out there that whew, it was uh, interesting. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Chris Cavanaugh wants to refer to Otto Bender. Um, hello, Bob. I've been catching up on past podcast episodes and listening to most of number 91, Supergirl, from March 17, 2015. Mm-hmm. You commented that Otto Bender, and he put some parentheses, rhymes with Tinder. Which means that I probably said Binder during the whole Supergirl episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> had written three Supergirl stories within a matter of months and is acknowledged as her creator. Then you said some of your Facebook commenters thought Mort Weisinger may have had a hand in her creation. Otto, I need a Supergirl. This very very well could have been the case, as Weisinger would have known that Bender was the co-creator with Mark Swayze of Mary Marvel and writer of many Marvel family stories. Either way, Bender was well-experienced in writing tales of a super-powered teenage girl. And now Chris has um, added a link here concerning um, Mary Marvel. It's a Wikipedia link. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm looking forward to the upcoming season of Supergirl with strong hopes that Mon L went to the 30th century and meets and brings back the Legion. <laughs> Unless I missed it. One thing I think the show overlooked explaining is Monel's name, i.e., how is it he's an L when he's from Daxam? Is that Daxam? D A X A M? Yeah, I've always just called it Daxam, as if it's a U M. Okay, Daxam. But of course, that's how I've always said it. But in the sil- Daxam is also, I would have bet, uh, you know, very a legitimate way to say it. Okay. Of course, in the Silver Age, Mon L was simply the name Superboy gave him, but on the show, it's apparently his real name. In addition to Supergirl, I'm also looking forward to future episodes of Superman Forever Radio. Best Woo. wishes, Chris. Yeah, uh, uh, I imagine I will cover that at some point on the Superman on the Superboy part. But uh, Mon L made his first appearance in Superboy number eighty nine. And uh, his ship landed on Earth. Superboy found it. Monel had amnesia. Superboy thought he was his older brother because apparently Monel had spent some time on Krypton and had met Superboy's father, Jor-El, who gave him a little note which uh, Superboy found on him. So a note from Jor-El's, uh, from Superboy's father in the rocket with this kid who has superpowers. Superboy just assumed it must be his older brother. And since it was Monday, named him Mon, M-O-N, and gave him the last name L, Mon-L. But since on the Supergirl TV show, none of that exists, why is his name Mon-L? 
There's no legitimate reason other than for those of us in the comic world uh, who they just wanted to have a character named Monel on. Uh, and he did leave. And uh, since this email was back in April or May sometime, uh, Supergirl has gone to the next episode. We do know what happened when Monel went to the future and has now come back. Not with the entire Legion, but spoiler alert. You ready? This is a spoiler. I'm going to spoil. Okay. I'm going to spoil. All right. We're spoiling. All right. Monel goes to the future on the Supergirl TV show. And what Supergirl thinks is only a few months he's been gone. He's actually been gone for years, five, six, seven, eight years or something. And he is married to Imra. And you know who that is? Okay. Saturn Girl. No. Who? Who is it? Saturn Girl. No, what's her name? Her real name, her real name is Imra Dar. I forgot her last name. All of a sudden I've drawn a blank on Imra, on Saturn Girl's last name. She's one of the original founders of the Legion of Superheroes. She has telepathy powers. And in the comics, she wears a little red outfit and has blonde hair. On Supergirl, she wears a dark burgundy or black outfit and has black hair. So, of course, the internet exploded. She can't be Saturn Girl if she doesn't have blonde hair. I know. I know. I know. So Monel married is married to her and has now come back on the Supergirl show with her. So I think we're when they come back on the air in a couple of weeks, uh, uh, they're getting close to having live action Legionnaires again. So Legion of Superheroes, I think, is coming to Supergirl. Yay. What else did he say? Did I answer that? I answered that. Yes. Okay. All right, so shall we move on? You uh, ready? Yes, yes, because I did say, uh, I must have said Binder a lot during the Supergirl episode. Yes, okay, <laughs> yeah. did that. Okay. Okay, um, this is from Jason Jaroslawski, Jaroslawski, J-A-R-O-S-L-A-W-S-K-Y. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Jason. Um, from... October 18th, 2017. Subject, just discovered. Howdy, Bob. Mm. Just started listening to your podcast, specifically the Lex Luthor special. I mm. found it really enjoyable and love the more positive vibe you bring to the table. It is really cool how you reference specific issue numbers and the long history of the Man of Steel's massive comic book history. I love it. I grew up in the Bronze Age of Soups with my first issue was Lois Lane number 136, which my mom bought for me. A great cover with Lois, Soups, and new film star Wonder Woman on the cover. I have been collecting Superman comics for decades now, and I too love the Silver Age. Always on the hunt for Superman books I need from across all the titles and those hard to find at a good price Golden Age books. I'm looking forward to your talked about Brainiac episode. Man, I loves me some Brainiac. <laughs> and would love right. to see him on the silver screen, maybe in Man of Steel 2. Hopefully. Got my fingers crossed. That's what I want, too. Yeah. Some yeah. suggestions for future character-centric podcasts for you, Bob. Parasite, mm -hmm. Mr. Mm. Mixie, General Zod, and, of course, Terra Man. Ha-ha. <laughs> Keep up the entertaining podcast you put out, and I will keep listening, Bob. Up, up, and away, Jason Jaroslawski, Calgary, Canada. Oh, thanks, Jason. Ooh, Canada. Yay. Woohoo. 
I'm surprised I haven't done Mixie already. I haven't done Mixie's Piddlewick yet. Oh, yeah, you've got to do that. Yeah, i got to do a Mixie. Uh, Kilt Pizziexum is how you say it backwards. I don't know who that Terra man. I don't know who that Terra man. Terra, that's pretty funny. That's a Bronze Age guy. He came in on the 70s. Um, but, yeah, uh, great selection. Love love Parasite. Good, good suggestions. And uh, welcome aboard. I, I do suggest... Um, uh, I started with the as host of the Superman Forever podcast with episode number seventy nine. Uh, J. David Weeder, you can call him Dave, uh, was the creator of the show and former host. And uh, but if you want to hear my first episode in my full history, Jason, uh, I uh, recommend picking up episode going back, download episode number seventy nine, and that'll tell you my complete history of how I found Superman and came to Superman in the summer of 1956. Yeah. 56. And where are we now? 2018. That was a long time ago. So welcome aboard, Jason. All right. Who's up next? Dave McElvinney, Justice League Roundtable. All right. We're getting close here. Greetings, Bob. And please feel free to share this with Messrs. Bailey, Weeder, and Wilson. Already done. Thank you all for this look at your first impressions of Justice League. I must tell you that I fell into the Dave Weeders category of people who had decided not to see this movie. <laughs> Maybe because I didn't like the way the character of Superman had been treated in the previous couple of movies. But the discussion you all had has changed my mind. So I will be going to see it now. Who says podcasts don't affect the world? Bob, you had mentioned on Facebook that there would be spoilers in this episode and suggested that I might want to wait until after I'd seen the movie before listening to the podcast. But I'm glad I listened to it anyway. Spoilers don't really bother me too much, and I wanted to get the impressions you gentlemen had. I have a great deal of respect for all of you individually and collectively, and I knew I'd hear an honest discussion, which is exactly what I wanted. No phony hype. No ginned-up negativity. Just a group of fans with mutual respect and affection for each other and a common love of Superman. Talking about what they liked or disliked without puffery or flaming. I wish there were more of that out there. Mm. Finally, I often really enjoy your musical choices in this podcast, and it brought a warm smile to my face to hear the closing music from The Adventures of Superman. Thank you for that. I'm looking forward to hearing more episodes as we move through Superman's 80th year in 2018. Live long and prosper, Dave McElvenny. Thanks again, Dave. Uh, those guys, you know, it, it's um, it's hard to say enough nice stuff about Michael Bailey and, and John Wilson and J. David Weeder. Those are just, you know, they're good human beings. And uh, I knew when I wanted to uh, get some first impressions out. I just didn't want to sit here and do it myself, and I, I knew that the three of them had seen it within the last couple of days prior to that. And this just shows what great guys they are. This was a Sunday night. Uh, Kim and I had gone to see it, and I came back, and Kim and I were talking, and, and I, you know, I think my feeling was almost relief. And, uh, and then I really wanted to talk about it. And I got online and just almost as an impulse, sent private messages to the three of those guys and said, hey, I know you guys have seen it. You want to get together? You got tomorrow night open. Literally within 24 hours, we were recording and, um, 
And in less than another 12 hours, I had finished editing and putting it up. I don't think I've ever done anything that quickly before in my life. But uh, it was fun. I enjoy talking to those guys almost at any time. So uh, it was fun. I sent the signal out, and they answered uh, in a positive way without hesitation. And the show, I think I agree with you, Dave, that it, it, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, we told why we liked it or parts we didn't like and, and our good feelings about it. Total first impressions. Uh, now, of course, Michael Bailey, who has a show uh, currently on a couple of Superman-centric shows, his own show, it all comes back to Superman, From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. And, of course, he's the co-host with Steve Eunice every Tuesday night on the Superman homepage live. So he gets to talk about the movie a lot. And I knew he was going to be talking about it in detail. So I was lucky to be able to grab him and get him, you know, on the record. Just, again, first impressions with those guys. Uh, good human beings. And um, lucky to call them friends. So thanks, Dave, for the, again, for the great email. Okay. What do we got? Well, we have some honorable mentions. Ooh, who are the names? We got some honorable mentions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, these are names who we've either talked to on Facebook or has sent other email about this or that that, that didn't get. Or mostly, though, it's it's kind of uh, people who have supported the page, the Superman Forever page, or um, uh, have said hi or thanks or little quick one-liners or a little happy this or that's uh, primarily on Facebook. Well, it would have to be only on Facebook because... I don't have Twitter or Instagram or any of the other social things. Bob, uh, oh no. Yeah, well, Facebook gives me enough. That's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. plenty. That's, that's plenty. Yeah. So um, uh, read off some of the names. Who have we got okay, there? Okay, we've got Douglas Meacham, Mark Lax. Oh, by the way, Mark Lax, yes. When we were talking earlier and Dave mentioned the little contest I did where it was uh, George Taylor, the first editor of the Daily Star, the first boss of the uh, – Dave McIlvenny was the first to get the email in with the answer, but Mark Lax – was the first on Facebook with the answer. Oh, so, good job. Yeah, way to go, Mark. Did he win a prize? He won the no prize. Yes, he did. He won a way to go, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get some prizes. Yeah, we should it's get a prize. It's fun to win stuff. It is fun to win stuff. You know, I thought, I've got a bunch of those old Superman, um, uh, the Christopher Reeve, like, bubblegum cards from the movies from oh, the 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah. I could stick one of those in an envelope and mail those off. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah. Okay. Win a bubblegum card, not a pack, a card. Woohoo! <laughs> Doesn't get any better than that. Uh-uh. Okay. Um, okay, now this Mario, his last name always stumps me. Uh-huh. And you've told me probably a dozen times how to pronounce it. Now, I don't never get it right, but it's B E N E S E. So I went online to see how to pronounce it. You know, they've got all these uh, websites on how to pronounce uh, proper names. Oh, really? And they're pronouncing it Benes, which surprised Ah. me. Yeah. That is not how Mario pronounces his name. Okay. How does he pronounce it? He pronounces Benesse. Benesse. I like Uh that. Okay. Yeah, so do I. Uh, I've also heard, I think at the end of one of his, Mario for a while was doing a podcast called Up, Up, and Away. Uh, but he has since graduated college. He's working for a living now, so he doesn't Poor have guy. a whole lot of time. I know. And he also has a new girlfriend. So uh, bye-bye time. <laughs> so <laughs> He'll be back. Uh, 
He's having a good, oh, listen, Mario had a good 2017. He's working in uh, a cinema now and he majored in movies. So he's uh, working his way to a, to a life in the, in the theater and movies and some fun stuff out there. Right. But uh, he almost said Benice. Uh, on at the end of one of his shows, accenting the e, yeah. but uh, I think Benesse is how it's pronounced. Okay, M- M- Mario, you will be glad to tell us. Mario will hear this at some point. I think. Oh, good. We'll hear it straight from him. Yes. Okay. Next, Mike Zumo. Hey, Mike. Uh, also, Mike, because uh, Mike and I are going to be recording again uh, uh, on both of our shows coming up in 2018. Uh, for some of you who don't know, Mike is the uh, podcast, the host of the Man of Screen podcast. And uh, I kind of, you know, jumped in on his show this year a lot because uh, uh, his Man of Screen podcast, he's doing every event of Superman on screen, whether it's the little TV screen or the movie screen. Wow. And he's doing it all in order of appearances. So when he got, he did the movie serials with uh, Kirk Allen. And uh, when he got to Mole Men, uh, he invited me to come on and talk about Mole Men. And I thought, well, that'll be fun. Well, I'll go on. We'll talk about Mole Men and a little general talk of the first season, maybe. And I think I ended up doing a lot, a lot of those shows, horning in on his Adventures of Superman coverage. But uh, thanks, Mike. And we, he and I are going to do some other stuff together this year on both of our shows. So uh, thanks, Mike. Mike Zumo, Man of Screen Podcast. You should all be listening to that, too. I think he just finished doing the, um, oh, what's the name of those cartoons? Not the Ruby Spears, the uh, Filmation Superman. Ugh. You know, the filmation ones, they're... What is that? They're Superman cartoons from the 60s and terrible animation. You oh, think, no. Oh, uh-uh. remember those? They were like yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a single frame and maybe the cape fluttered a little bit. <laughs> yeah, bad. You know, oh, terrible, terrible cartoons. And Mike just went through their entire Superman filmation series. Oh, poor Mike. I'm talking about each one of them. So way to go, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) That's dedication. Yes, it is. Okay. Michael Bradley is next. Oh, good. Michael Bradley uh, of Superman and Batman also did Golden Age Superman. Uh, Great podcaster. Miss your voice out there, Michael. Get back on the microphone. Billy Hogan. Which we talked about earlier. Superman fan podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Bailey. Oh, everybody knows Mike. Hi, Mike. Scotty V. Scotty V of the Superman homepage. We've had some interesting discussions this year on uh, uh, online. Uh, I, I feel bad for Scott. He was having a good time. He was liking one of the few people that just loved the take of the new 52 Superman and some of the stuff they were putting him through and, uh, you know, a little more earthy, bare knuckle, you know, depowered type Superman. Scotty was loving that. He hates the Silver Age and... He, He's not having fun with Rebirth. Oh. I know. Superman fandom can be hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Steve Eunice. Of the Superman homepage. Andrew. For the last 20 Oops, some sorry. years now, he's been uh, doing that. Andrew Leyland. And a across the pond, Hey Kids Comics, Palace of Glittering Delights. Is he from Down Under? Say again? Is he from Down Under? 
No, Andrew is uh, uh, UK. He's up in uh, Northern England. Okay, nice. Northern England way. Um, and if she would only hear me, this is what I'd say. Paul Spataro. Paul, back to the bin, Spataro. Hank Weisinger. Hey, Hank. And Arlen Schumer. And Arlen. Bill Hickok. Bill Hickok. He does a great Facebook page, several, and one of them is uh, uh, all Superboy-centric, Superboy from the 40s to the 70s, or through the 70s. So he goes all the way through the Bronze Age Superboy. Uh, Puts stuff up every day. Very active page. If you're into Superboy, in the Silver Age Superboy, The Adventures of Superman when he was a boy, look up Bill Hickok's Superboy page. John M. Wilson. My buddy John. Good old John. Uh, John is everywhere. I'm, uh, he's a good guest, and I think he's starting up some new shows coming in 2018 and doing one of those read-throughs. It's just staggering, the amount of comic books. John must be a speed reader. It's the only way that, that he could do what he does. He can't be just reading it at normal speed and read everything that he reads and be a father and a full-time teacher. He can't do it. Sorry, John, you can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to ask him. Maybe he is a speed reader. He might be. He might be. Um, and of course, last but not least, J. David Weeder. Obviously, I wouldn't be doing the show without J. David Weeder. So once again, thanks, Dave. You are my hero, my podcasting guru, and my mentor. Uh, benefactor, I think, was the better term. He's my podcasting benefactor. So thanks, yeah. Dave. And so many more. And I know I've left you out. Debbie Reese also comes to mind. We've talked on Facebook, a fan of the show and a Superman fan. Tina Marie also. There, Rebecca Johnson, Supergirl Radio. So many. It's been a good year. So many good new friends we've made. And um, this was an interesting look back at the year, doing everything from the uh, Perry White to Lex Luthor to Mort Weisinger and so many other stuff. So uh, look for us on the 15th. I think that's it, right? We're done with the emails? No more? Oh, yep, that's it. So I'm getting ready to pack my bags for Hawaii. As soon as you're done. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, getting close to Kim's bedtime. (laughs) Hey, are we calling my bedtime Hawaii? (laughs) Yeah, right. Oh, God, I wish we were going to. Oh, yeah. I know. I want to go back. We were there. We were there. Had a great time. But it would be so nice to go back to Hawaii again. Mm. Uh, okay. Dream gone. Get out. I have to finish this. Whew. Okay. Um, see, now you got me thinking Hawaii. I'm, how do I, uh, I I'm finish I'm sorry. You it, need but... to be thinking of 2018. Yes. Yeah, so 20, right. 2018. So, uh, yeah, we had made some good friends, some fun stuff. And, uh, we're going to try to double up in 2018. I'm putting a little pressure on myself to nose to the grindstone, put out a few more episodes so that look forward to the 15th of every month, uh, hopefully the 15th, around the 15th of every month, a new Superman Forever podcast. And towards the end of every month, uh, a special episode, either a Superboy Forever, maybe a roundtable, Superman Forever roundtable episode where I gather some Superman podcasters together and we talk whether or not Superman should bring the trunks back or not. Uh, we'll talk. We'll find out what's going on. 2018, 80th year of Superman. So a lot of your Superman podcasters are going to be doing something special. So um, 
stay tuned for some good stuff. April 18th, 2018, Action Comics 1000 hits the newsstand. So I have a feeling I'll be saying something about that here and maybe in a few other places. So, Kim, you still there? Yep, I'm still here. All right, anything else to say before we close this bad boy out? Happy New Year, everybody. Hope 2018 is a good one. Uh, let's hope. Let's hope. Thank you, Kim, for coming and doing this and adding it was voice. was my pleasure. Well, good, because it's fun. I think it's more fun to have a different voice reading the emails. And, and I'm glad that you were able to come and do that. So, like Kim said, everybody, Happy New Year. Thanks for being here. Check us uh, next time for that elusive Brainiac episode. No, really, it's coming. Really, Brainiac 2018. Bye. Superman is based on the original character appearing in Superman Magazine and Action Comics. Superman, copyright DC Comics. Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster.